Okay, so uh, did everybody get a note sheet? If you didn't, Will has some note sheets. So just raise your hand if you didn't get a note sheet and Will will bring those around. Thanks, Will. Okay, so we continue our study in needed and needy this morning, uh, just transitioning into the sanctuary for a week as they'll be setting up in the fellowship hall for the new members' luncheon after the service today. Um, so we remember from last week, if you were with us, uh, that Will walked us through the weightiness of sin and how sin should drive us to Jesus and make us humble as we recognize our own weaknesses and our our desperate and continual need for mercy and, and grace. And one of the effects that seeing our sin and our weaknesses should have is to make us a people who ask for help, uh, both to the Lord and to one another whom the Lord has given in the body of Christ as a means of grace and sanctification in our lives. And I think if we're honest, this is one area where many of us struggle as Christians. Um, we don't go to the Lord as often as we ought to, and we probably go to each other even less. Um, and so we want to look at this from a biblical perspective and, and think through this a little bit uh, this morning. And I think one reason for this is because our natural inclination is to be self-sufficient, isn't it? Right. That's the inclination of our heart, and that's the statement of society all around us, right? Is that you don't need anybody else. You can be strong on your own. Um, going to others is a sign of weakness, right? So that's the mentality that we're battling from this, uh, from this world. So we want to take a look at this again from a biblical perspective and, and seek to recognize, um, you know, what this looks like. When you think about that aspect of self-sufficiency, um, I think just, you know, now being a father for just over a year, I have a better grasp of that as I watch our daughter develop and um, she becomes more independent. Um, and not just in action, but in word as well. So it's not just I'm doing things on my own, but I'm going to let you know that I want to do things on my own also. Um, and so she'll tell us, I can do it by myself. When we say, hey, let's do this, I can do it by myself. And on some level, this independence is a good thing. Sabrina and I are thankful for that. Some areas where we're like, praise the Lord, hands off, and we'll just you know, step back. But, um, but, but I also think there's a negative side to that also. And it's the statement of not only her little heart, but the heart of every person in the world that naturally says to God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. That's the declaration of a fallen, a fallen heart. Now, as Christians, we have, by God's grace, joyfully submitted our lives to God and have confessed our helplessness. Yet, in this battle against the flesh, our old man still wants to reign on the throne and say, I've got this. I can handle this. Right? So, we want to keep that in mind as we work through this lesson. We're battling against that old nature as believers. And another reason I think we are slow to ask for help goes back to what Will taught on last week in his topic on the weightiness of sin. And it's we don't ask for help because we, at times, really don't see sin 
as that dangerous. And therefore, we don't really think we need help. We may need help if we come across one of the big sins, but for the most part, we don't feel that sin is really that weighty. Uh, We've become accustomed to it. And that, again, is a remnant that is left from the old nature. And when we see the heinousness of all sin, right, not only how we may categorize it in our minds, we will grow in our frequency of calling upon the Lord and others for help. So with that introduction, what I would like to do is first ask, do the scriptures really show people crying to God for help? And the answer to that is absolutely. Uh, You see this over and over again. And to show you this, we'll be looking at a lot of different psalms this morning. Uh, This is by no means an exhaustive list, but helpful to see and think about regarding the issue of our need for help from the Lord to begin with. Uh, I have those there on your note sheet, so you can... uh, don't have to jot those down. They'll all be up here on the screen for the most part. Um, so you can just jot down any other notes that you want on there. So the first one here is in Psalm 18, verses 3 and 6. And if I can have somebody read that for us. that aspect of the psalmist recognizing need, recognizing his need for help, and then doing something about it, right? It's one thing to recognize a need, but go no further, right? Say, well, I have this need, and then what can happen from that is it just breeds anxiety, right? You just become more and more anxious because of this need that you have that's not being fulfilled. But we see here in the psalmist, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, I cried for help, and he answered me. Okay, Psalm 28, verses 1 and 2. Somebody can read that for us. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest the two be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Okay, good. You know, when you go through the Psalms, these become really convicting to you because you, you, you start to think, do my prayers ever sound like that? Right? Hear the voice of my pleas for more mercy when I cry to you for help. Right? Become very convicting. You're like, man, I should be praying with great fervency. And the reason for that is because the psalmist knows to whom the one he is calling upon. Okay? And then a little bit further in verses 6 and 7 in the same psalm, if somebody can read that. Right, so there's the there's the after effect of calling upon the Lord, right? Praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for his kindness and answering those pleas for mercy. Dropping over to Psalm 30. Verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> Somebody can read that for us. Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, be my God. Return for me my warning and dancing. I loose you. My sackcloth, I'll clothe me with gladness. And my glory be 
sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord thy God, I will give thanks to you forever. Okay. So again, there's that passionate cry, right? O Lord, be my helper. Right? So there's this confession of need, of, of help, of the psalmist knowing, I know where I need to head during these times. Psalm 33, verses 20 and 20, 20 through 22. Somebody can read on that. <coughs> because what you see here is the request has been made and now there's an expectation. There's a waiting process here, right? And during this waiting process, our soul waits for the Lord. It's a re you're reminding yourself, he is our help and our shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. So there's this crying out to God. No answer has come yet, but there's a reminder in your own heart I know the one to whom I'm going, right? He is the one that is able, able to help, okay? Psalm 34, and again, I'm just giving you pretty much one right after another in the Psalms here so you can see how frequently this happens. Oops, take it back here. Sensitive, there we go. Psalm 34, verses 17 through 19. Somebody can read that for us. Okay, good. So there's the, the declaration. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. Right? So there's promises there. We should be confident as we go to our God and cry for help. And then one more here in Psalm 38. There we go. Verses 21 and 22. We can read that for us. So there again is that plea, that recognition, I'm in need, and I go to the one that I know can help me. So you can see from just this small sample from Scripture of how God's people do respond and how we ought to respond if we're not responding that way when we <coughs> recognize our need for help. And we should also be encouraged as we've looked at these when we see how the Lord responds to his people when they do cry for help. Okay? So our God hears and he answers according to his will. Now, the scriptures, like the ones that we've just looked at here, are the greatest guide that we have in our praying, in our crying out to God in our need. So this goes into the next point there on your notes, prayer for help in trouble. So we're just going to look at a few different, different ones here. And the first one is from Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2, if somebody can read that. So there's a desperation here, right? And oftentimes we see that, that when we're faced with dire circumstances, we see our prayer life increase, right? And what you see here is this, just, this cry that's accompanied by honesty, right? 
I need help. I need you to answer. And in the midst of these great trials, we should be crying out continually before our God, knowing that he hears us because of Christ and has the power to change the circumstances we find ourselves in. That's a really important point, right? We recognize the one we're going to, and we recognize the one that we're going to has the power to change whatever this may be that's going on in our lives. I actually had this in my notes. I know what you're going to say, and I had it in my notes. But go ahead, and it'll be better to hear it from you than me read it, so go ahead. Oh, that's good. There was no, there was just, Sabrina was sleeping when I put this together, so I don't know if she didn't, uh... <laughs> So yeah, that, that statement there that Sabrina just shared, sovereignty prompts prayer. In other words, when we recognize and remind ourselves that God is sovereign, it gives birth to prayer because we understand that the one we are praying to is the one who controls all things. So it's good to remind our hearts of that. We're not just throwing our plea up to somebody who has to do all kinds of different things to make that happen. He can change it instantaneously, and we see that throughout Scripture. Now, he may not, but when he doesn't, we rest in that sovereignty and we trust, right? Okay. Here's another, another psalm that kind of deals with this. Psalm 50, verse 15. Somebody wants to read that. Okay, good. So, there's an express statement from God, call upon me in the day of trouble. Okay, so this, again, should breed confidence as we find ourselves in the midst of difficult circumstances. So these and others like these are given to strengthen our faith and remind us of the one to whom we pray. Okay, so you have prayer in the midst of trouble, um, and then you have prayer of confession there on your notes, and that's another type of prayer that expresses our need for help, right? We need to confess our sins to God. We need God's help to forgive us, to cleanse us, and restore us unto himself. Psalm 32 is a great reminder of this. I don't think I have it on here. Let me see. Okay, no, I don't. So let's turn to it because it was too long to put it on a slide, so I decided we'll just open our Bibles. We'll do it the old-fashioned way, right? Okay, Psalm 32. If I can have somebody read 1 through 5 for us. 
Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer, or as by heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Okay, amen. So you see that, especially in verse 3, here's the effect of not crying out to God for help in confessing our sin. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And I think we can all testify to that. When we know that we need to turn away from that sin and confess it, and we don't, right? There, there's a disconnect in our lives from the Lord, right? You, you find this, this growing burden in your heart. And we're thankful for that, right? I don't want God to leave me in my sin and just be okay with that. I want to be bothered internally. And although we don't, repent and confess as quickly as we ought to, thankfully the Spirit bears with us and brings us to that place where he turns us away from that. And then notice the effect of it in verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. So there was transparency there, right? Just confessing to the Lord, here's what I've done, here's where I'm at. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then notice the effect. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Right? So, God's kindness comes to us in the prayer of confession, and it's where we need to need to be. Now, the rest of that psalm is really good, uh, too, just declaring what's, what's taking place after that, but we don't have time to get into all that right now, okay? So, <coughs> you have the prayer of confession, and then the next one, pray to know the Lord better. Pray to know the Lord better. We all need help in this realm, amen? Right? And this should be a daily prayer for, for all of us. Coming to know the Lord better will cause us to see our need for him more and more. Right? Don't you, don't you see that? This was the case, if you remember, with the prophet Isaiah. Let's go ahead and I think actually, no, I don't have it up there. Let's turn to it. Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 5 for us. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And his friends in the throne filled with them. But with Sarah, each one had six wings. With two to cover his face, two to cover his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the hosts of the glory were shaken by the voices of the cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am unkind, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I do 
world in the midst of a people of unbelievers. For my eyes have seen the king. That's a great passage. Isaiah is gaining knowledge of God in this passage. And as he gains knowledge of God, he also gains knowledge of himself and others, right? He sees sin more clearly in the light of the holiness of God, right? And so that's one of the effects as we grow in our knowledge of God, we grow in our knowledge of ourselves, and it causes us to turn to the Lord more, or it ought to, right? You may remember when you first became a Christian, the Lord maybe kind of dealt with those really big sins that were in your life, and you're like, everything's good now. There's not really anything left for the Lord to do. <laughs> and then you keep learning about God, and He just keeps unveiling your heart one layer after another. And it creates a greater dependence upon the Lord, right? I feel the weight of that 16 years later. I'm like, I need the Lord now, or more now than I did when I first got saved. Now, in actuality, I don't. I've always needed the Lord the same. But... As he reveals my heart more and starts plumbing the depths of it, right, you see how deep sin is rooted and he mercifully just keeps plucking it out and weaning you away from it and conforming you into the image of his son. But that's one of the effects that knowing the Lord um, has upon you is it helps you to see your need for him more and it will help you to cry out for help more and more. Okay? And we see an example of this type of praying for, to know the Lord better in Paul's letters to the Ephesians. Go ahead and turn over there with me. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verses 16 through 19. Watch how Paul prays for the Ephesians here. Somebody can take that for us. See what Paul's prayer is there for these believers, right? Notice verse 16, that, uh, verse 17, sorry. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, right? Listen, that's the best way that we can pray for one another. We should pray for one another in all circumstances, but be praying for one another above all things that we would come to know Christ more. We would come to know God more. So that's why you don't even have to ask people, is there anything I can pray for you about? Although you should. Um, but here's a way in the interim that you can always be praying for one another in the body of Christ. Right? Always praying that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. And then notice verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. For what purpose? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, right? So you got, a, you got a brother or sister who's battling with just maybe just too earthly-minded, consumed with the things of the world, that which we all are at times, right? Father, remind so-and-so of the hope that he or she has in you and what is the promise that they have in you. 
fix their minds, Lord, on things that are above. Right? So these are things that you can just be praying for one another continuously. And we ought to be. And through this, we pray that we come to know Christ more. And as we come to know him more, we'll want to commune with him more and more. Okay? Paul goes on over in chapter 3 and continues to pray for the Ephesians. If somebody can read verses 14 through 19. Yes, through 19, so only thanks. Now that's a prayer request. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that great? <laughs> Notice what Paul's prayer there is in verse... 16, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right? So again, he's, he's dealing with the issue of the heart because if the issue of the heart is dealt with, a lot of other things are dealt with as well, right? So he's, he's aiming right at their hearts and then notice what he says in verse 18. I am praying that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? So again, there's another way that we can be praying for one another. Right? I love how he says in verse 18 that you may have strength to comprehend. Why? Because the gospel is mind-blowing. Is it not? You never get to a place where you're like, I've got the gospel, I understand that. No, you don't. I mean, you, you understand it to some degree, but there's depth to this, right, that, that we're going to plumb for all of eternity and coming to know God more and more, okay? And so this is the way that we can, we can pray for one another. This is how we can help one another, okay? And then as we come to know God better and understand his disposition Toward us, one of just this unfathomable love, it will create create in us a greater trust toward Him, and subsequently greater communion with Him. Right? We'll know the one to whom we are going to ask for help. One of the reasons I think that we don't go more frequently is we still, to some degree, we still have a distorted view of God. Right? It may come from our past or whatever the case may be, but there's still things as we're coming to know God more and more. That helps us in our communion with him and helps us to come to him and recognize who he is, that we are his children, he is our father. And we will recognize more and more that we have a great help in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who delights to come to our aid, right? The Lord Jesus Christ delights to come to our aid, to help us in our need. And I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 14 through 18. 
somebody can read that for us. Verse 17 again. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Right? That's who we come to. Right? We come to a God of mercy as we come with our needs and we're asking for help. And we come to a God who is faithful, who will never turn us away because of what he has accomplished on our behalf. Verse 18, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Right? There's nothing that you're going through that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is not intimately acquainted with. And therefore, you have a merciful and faithful high priest. That should cause us to want to go to God more when we recognize that. Okay? All right. Any thoughts there on asking the Lord for help? I know it's just kind of a brief overview, but hopefully that stimulates your heart a little bit before we go into this next section. Lloyd. Um, for the men's Bible study, we've been kind of going through uh, praying with Paul, and it's been very much a blessing already. Um, looking at Paul's prayer, really concerned about the growth and maturity and of the same. Yeah. Um, I was going over the catechism with the girls this week and family devotion. And as I'm explaining to Augustina and Antonella uh, about God's nearness, how he's near you and how he, um, by, when, I, when I say that he cares for you, this isn't just daddy uh, making up something. I was like, this is what he proclaims. And mm -hmm. God cannot lie. He's not like man that he should lie. Amen. It began to like, my heart was just like overwhelmed with this great joy of understanding the creator of the heavens and the earth cares intimately for me. And Amen. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. Amen. Started doing the James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Amen. Okay. All right. Well, let's look at this next section. So we have asking uh, the Lord for help, and now asking others for help. And as we transition to our next section on asking others for help, let me begin by asking a question here. Do you think it's easier to ask the Lord for help or other believers for help? And why? Chris.
Very good. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great answer. Kind of nails it right on the head. I would concur with that. Anybody else want to chime in on that? No? Okay. Well, let me give you this uh, quote from Ed Welch here. I think it kind of just picks up on what Chris was saying there. If somebody wants to read that for us. I think that echoes what, what Chris was saying there and the struggle that goes on in the heart of, of believers. Um, it's, it becomes more difficult because we go to the Lord and he knows who we truly are, um, but other people may not. And we may not want to uh, reveal that, and that may be for a number of reasons. Maybe past experience, you've done that, and you've gotten burned by it, and now you're really hesitant to, to do so. Um, so there could be just all kinds of different factors, but if we're going to truly grow into the likeness of Christ, we must become a people who seek help from one another. Um, and always remember this, that Jesus gave us each other as a means of grace and sanctification, Right? If the Lord just said, I'm all you need, and I understand when I say that, so you don't think I'm spouting heresy here, but I'm, I'm all you need, then he wouldn't have given us the body of Christ. He wouldn't have spoke of the necessity of gathering together with one another. So don't, don't compartmentalize those two differently. You need the Lord, and the Lord said you need other people. You need the believers in Christ. And we see Paul understanding this mentality when he writes to various churches. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25, here's a very simple way that we can begin to ask others for help. is by asking for prayer, right? So here's Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5, 25. Brothers, pray for us. Okay? Brothers, pray for us. So Paul's recognizing we have needs. Okay. And think of how easy, right, Paul could have been exalted, Right? Just thinking, look at me, look at, look at all I've done for the Lord, look at all that I've accomplished. But Paul recognized who he was, right? The Lord gave him a, a thorn in the flesh to remind him who he was. Second Corinthians 1.11, <coughs> he tells the Corinthian church, with all of its flaws and everything that's going on in it, you also must help us by prayer, right? He wasn't looking at people, oh, they're too sinful. They, their prayer probably won't even reach God anyway, so... Right? No, no, he has this mentality. Your brothers in Christ are struggling, I'm struggling, I need help, you need help. Let's pray for one another. And you're going to help us. Notice this. You must also help us by prayer. Right? So as we're asking others for help, that's a means by which we are helped. Is by other people praying for us. Colossians 4, 20, uh, 4, 2, and 3. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. That God may open a door to us for the word to declare mystery. Christ. So asking others to pray for you is one great way to allow others to come alongside and help you. And it certainly makes you vulnerable at times, as Chris mentioned. But again, it is a means by which God has called us to, to humble ourselves. Now, I want to read a portion here from Welch's book, 
as he deals with this next section on how to ask. I really appreciated what he said here um, because it kind of goes into what we were looking at earlier with Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. And so he says this, we want to ask for prayer about both circumstances and matters of the heart that sit below the surface for things seen and things unseen. And then he said, and the way that we do that is first we put our burden into words as we speak with one another, and then secondly, we attach words of Scripture that capture both our real needs and God's purposes and promises. That is, we pray for what we know our Father wants to give us. And then he gives an example. What does that look like in the community of the, of the saints? And so he says, Here, first, here's the burden as you're speaking to one another. He uses this example. I've been so impatient with my kids recently, I need help. Right, so there's a declaration of need. And then second is the attachment of scripture to that need. Would you pray that I will know Jesus' unlimited patience toward me so that I will pass that on to my children? Right, so there's the need. I have a real need here, but I'm not just going to sit there and complain about it. I'm going to think scripturally how I want you to pray for me. So there's the, there's the thing that's being seen here. I'm being impatient with my kids. But what's really going on in my heart is that I'm not understanding the patience that the Lord has with me. So I'm asking, would you please pray to that end? Because if my heart's changed there, I know that it'll be changed here with my interaction. Okay. Then he gives another one, and this is one I think we can relate to, is um, would you pray that I will find work? Okay. So there's a need, right? And then he goes on and he says, and... Would you pray that I will trust the Lord to provide for me each day rather than get swamped by my anxieties? Right? That's that Matthew 6 mentality. So there's a genuine prayer request, but also there's issues going on in my heart while I'm waiting in this, in this process that I need you to pray for. Right? So it's both the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. So I thought that was a really helpful, uh, you know, helpful thing to think through as we're you know, asking each other um, how we can pray for one another, and we should be, we should be doing that. Okay. Okay. Let's look here at this last section, which is recognize help when the Lord delivers. And essentially, what we're looking at here is to let others know when God answer those prayers. Also, if someone has asked you to pray, um, you know, follow up on that. If somebody, you know. If you, if you say, what can I pray for you about, make sure you follow up on that, right? Just don't, let's not just use Christianese, like this is the thing that Christians should say. So I'm going to say, how can I pray for you? Um, but let's, let's follow up on that, right? Write it down if you need to. I know like for me, sometimes I'm like, man, I know that person asked me to pray for that, and I don't remember what it was. So Lord, answer whatever that was. <laughs> but I want to be more specific in my, in my praying. Um, rather than just humbling myself and going back and saying, you know what, I forgot what you asked me to pray for. See, that's issues in my own heart. Anyway, time of confession here. So, so let's look at uh, of, of how this goes, when the Lord delivers, when the Lord answers prayer. Okay, And Welch kind of breaks it up into three categories in his, in his book. And the first one was build monuments. Now, don't think idolatry here. Um, but what he's talking about 
is, is, is it's good to set before you from time to time something that will help you remember the faithfulness of God. And he uses Joshua 4, 1 through 7 as an illustration of that. Let's go ahead and turn there with the uh, few moments that we have remaining. Joshua 4. Verses 1 through 7. If somebody could read that for us. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribe of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? And you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Right, so here's God's faithfulness on display as a constant reminder to them. And so that's kind of what Welch is getting at here is this aspect of reminding yourself, right? Don't we need to be reminded of God's faithfulness in our lives? We have to, you know, a, a trial comes and the Lord answers. We're like, praise the Lord. The next day a new trial comes. We're like, where are you, Lord? What's going on? I can't believe this. And right, our hearts are just so fickle and changing. And, and so that's, that's a good reminder to have something, you know, so that you can remember, you know, whatever that may look like in your life. But it's good to recognize that help when the Lord when the Lord delivers. Remember, Sabrina and I, um, we went down to Mexico for her sister's wedding back in 2005, and uh, it was a season where I had lost my job, and I was in between jobs, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to provide, and, and we saw the Lord just come through in, in just, a, a, just a mighty way, and while we were down there, I was going through this passage in Joshua, so I grabbed this stone off the beach and brought it back with me um, to the States, and we have it sitting on one of our bookshelves in our house, and from time to time I see it, and it reminds me of God's faithfulness, right? And I want that mentality as well. If Selah ever asked me one day, what's this stone here? Why is this rock, this big rock here? Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God, and pass that on uh, to others. So you're proclaiming a heart, uh, a fresh to your own heart faithfulness of God. The second point there is say thank you. <laughs> Listen, if we're known for anything, we should be known for those who do well at giving thanks, both to God and to others. And listen, the independent, ungrateful, and self-sufficient never say this. Never say that, right? Thank you is not words that come off their lips readily. And so we should be a people who are thanking the Lord. Welch reminded us of the uh, story of the ten lepers, where Jesus heals them, and only one returns to give thanks to God. And Jesus says, where are the nine? Right? Where, where are they? 
And so we should be a people who are giving thanks to the Lord and to one another, right? We're rejoicing with those who rejoice. Don't you love that when you're praying about something and somebody tells you, listen how the Lord answered? And you get to just join with them and they're rejoicing in that, in that situation, okay? And then finally there on your notes is proclaim his faithfulness. Listen, when God intervenes and answers, we should make it a point and we should make it known, even if it's just to one other person, right? And that may be the person who is <coughs> praying with you during that, that difficult time. But we ought to be, a, you know, you see that all throughout the Psalms. Hopefully you've been able to see that as we've gone through those. Is there's a cry for help and there's a proclamation of God's faithfulness in delivering his people and answering their prayers. And that's what you want to do when something happens like that. You want to let others know, don't you? You want to proclaim that. And so we should be faithful to proclaim his faithfulness toward us. Okay? So that, that kind of concludes our section. If you remember at the beginning of this class, Will and I talked about how this class is kind of broken up into two parts. The first is we are needy. And so this kind of closes that section on the aspect of we are needy. And next week, Lord willing, Will will launch us into we are needed. Okay, so we're needy, but we're also needed, right? Other people need us, not in an in unhealthy way, but in a, in a biblical way. And so as God continues to grow us as a body, may he give us grace to never forget our utter dependence both on him and one another just as he designed. Okay? All right, let's, uh, let's close out in prayer this morning. Father, you have caused our hearts to cry out for help as we have seen our desperate plight as sinners who stand guilty before a holy God. We are so grateful that you have met our greatest need in your Son. Lord, we know that our needs don't stop there. Certainly that's our greatest one, but as we walk through this world, Lord God, you know all the needs that we have. And may we be a people, Lord, who are before you continually confessing our need for help. And may we do that in a way that is well-balanced and responsible, and especially as we interact with one another. Uh, may we be dependent upon you in all things, and may we display that as we seek help from others in walking through this this world. Father, give us all a great spirit of humility. Help us to remember who we are um, as children of God who have been redeemed by Christ. May you guard us against any spirit of pride that as we interact with one another and as we're sharing our lives with each other, we would never deem ourselves better than anybody else. Just guard us from that, Lord, I pray. Make us a people who are, who are humble. And we just be sure to give you all the glory and thanks for it. And thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.